So in, in my opinion, the masterminds are 10, 20 times better than any conference that you can go to. And, and I'll try to explain why for anyone that's not been in a high level mastermind yet. So when I first started out, um, and a roll of maybe two years of being into SEO, I started to go to these kind of SEO, whether it was like London affiliate conference at LAC for the iGaming space in London, whether it was like Brighton SEO or going to these big SEO conferences. And then I remember speaking in the bar after a couple of people had spoken. I was like, oh, that was really good. Like, thanks for sharing that information. And I remember him saying, I didn't give half of, half of it away. I'm not going to give all my true knowledge bombs away on stage. And I'm like, what do you mean? And there's like, buy me a drink and I'll tell you some more. And I remember buying like one or two of these SEO influencers back then, buying them a drink. And they was telling me so much stuff that wasn't being shared on stage. And I'd go back and test it. And I was like, this is what works. And it wasn't being shared on stage. And they're going, well, why would I share it on stage to every man and his dog? And then they can compete. And so then I was then at, like, got to a point where I was like, probably roll on four or five years in. And I thought, actually, if I can try and get hold of these, like people that were speaking back then, I was, I was doing very well back then. And I started to know behind the scenes because I didn't really speak on stage but behind the scenes I started to know quite a lot of these like SEO influencers on stage and I says why don't we start doing like a private meetup I'm John Wright and you're listening to Affiliate BI the business intelligence and affiliate marketing podcast brought to you by Statsdrome welcome to the Affiliate BI podcast uh we today we're talking with James Dooley he is the CEO and founder of Promo SEO and fat rank and he's an investor and he happens to organize a lot of masterminds for uh, business owners and people in the SEO community. So James, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome. Good so seeing I wanna, you. Yeah, good seeing you. Uh, I want to jump straight into your story of how you got into SEO and what attracted you to the space. So I actually fell into it. I didn't really know what SEO was. I, need, I, knew, I knew that I needed a website and I knew that I needed inbound leads coming in from a construction company. And then once the website got built, there was no traffic coming in. So I, and I then started to realize that I need um, search engine optimization of the website. Didn't really understand the full algorithms and the formulas behind how you actually rank the website. So then I went down the rabbit hole of trying to learn it. So started learning it around 15 years ago now. And then from there, then I just wanted to try and make certain I could get a consistent flow of quality inquiries coming through the door. Um, and then one thing led to another and we started doing a lot of what I always call neighboring niches or shouldering niches where it's trying to rank for key terms that my customers would want to rank for, which got us more business as well. And then it just led from that to we built out 50 sites and 100 sites and 150 sites and 200 sites. And then, then we started going in, in almost any industry then because um, we knew what we was doing to, um, some people say, manipulate Google or feed Google's algorithms what they want to be fed to rank to the top of Google. And one thing led to another from there. So we all started in lead generation, to be fair, for our own company. That makes sense. And it's pretty smart. Uh, when I look at your resume, I see a lot of success on pretty much everywhere you turn on all the projects that you work on, and it's quite clear that you're putting in the work. What would you say has led to your success and maybe share some insights of like, you know, why you think others maybe struggle to um, have success in SEO and or affiliate marketing? So when I go to a lot of these events, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, I probably am one of the most successful people that's leveraged SEO, but I've also failed by far the most. And I would, I would literally put whoever's the most successful on, on a leaderboard of what they've done and how much they've earned, generally speaking, goes hand in hand with who's failed the most. So with regards to the algorithms, the algorithms are changing all the time. So when, you, when you're kind of testing stuff out, you need to understand how far you can push certain parameters. So how, how many exact match anchors can you do? Um, how many like with regards to entities and entity stacking can you do with regards to content and stuff like that? So it's about understanding how far you can go and what the formula within Google allows you to do for you to be able to push those boundaries without getting any sort of Google penalty. 
for you then to be able to leverage number one rankings because it's quite easy for anyone to get a, a new website onto page two or page three and, and the impressions are going up. But actually getting it from position number five to position number four is a bit more difficult. And position number four to number three is a lot more difficult. And position number three to position number two is very, very, very hard. And then the final part of getting it from number two to number one is the most difficult bit. So, so many people in these industries kind of talk about, oh, I'm on page one. And you're like, yeah, but how many clicks are you getting? Like, you need to be number one, like, realistically. So what can I do? And, and when I'm competing with someone else who's good and understands SEO, so keywords in title, targeting, URL, and several times in the page. But what else can I do to be beating them out, which might be more LSI keywords in the content or more backlinks or more internal links, more topical authority. Whatever it is that you need to do to leverage it is kind of what we're testing out every single day. But with regards to success, I would say a lot of it comes down to our testing team which who fail a lot, who, who test the parameters and see what they can do. And there's no, there's no better way than having an in-house testing team, in my opinion, but it is costly. Yeah. I, I guess that maybe another way of looking at it is going, you know, why have a lot of people not jumped into the SEO space? I think maybe there's a lack of comfort where you can't really go to school for it. And in a school environment, you're not really setting yourself up for failure. You literally have yeah. to figure it out. And we obviously know that SEO is changing so fast that it's very difficult to even make a school out of it. Unless, of course, uh, you know, with uh, some of the friends we have in common, they have SEO courses, but, uh, you know, you're not really going to college or university to picking up an SEO degree. Exactly that, yeah. I mean, a lot of the courses, so let's say like the affiliate lab or whatever courses there are out there, they're needing to be updated like every month. Um, so it, it becomes hard for some of these people that are selling courses because they need to be updating them all the time. It's not like, Oh, like it used to be, oh, I can create a PDF article and resell that same article a thousand times. And you're going, oh, this, this is quite lucrative because they're now needing to make certain of, of what's happening today's algorithms. They're updating, otherwise their course is out of date. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough industry at the moment, the SEO industry, to be fair. I want to go back to what you said about how difficult it is to go from number four to number three. And then obviously from number three to number two is even more difficult. Um, I had a chance to interview an affiliate who is one of the more successful ones in iGaming and asked like, what separates you from the people that are jockeying, you know, bragging about being like, you know, the 13th best iGaming affiliate. Um, what would you say, uh, separates, you know, from what you do from the people that are maybe like five steps behind? I know one thing you commented on was what else can I do to win? Yeah. So there's a lot of different things and this sounds very. I treat every website that we have, I treat as a real business. So what would a real business do? Um, so with regards to real business, you try and get as much exposure as you can in as many different places as you can. So I like to call it effective frequency, where you've been seen on all different markets of um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, where all the places you can offsite, but then also make certain that um, maybe in Google News that also you're showing up, that you've got images that are showing up in Google Images, that you've got videos that are showing up in Google Videos or in YouTube. So being seen everywhere and being what we class as being omnipresent uh, is great because traffic actually is a massive ranking signal. So if you can get traffic from all these different places, then that's massively going to help you rank better on the website. But then... You've got to make certain that the content meets the search intent of what the user wants to see. So making certain you've got the right entities and you're meeting the source context of what the page is about. And then you need lots of articles, let's say the, the iGaming person might have been in the casino industry. You, need, you can't just have five pages about casino. You need to talk about every single kind of table, table game there is. So talking about Baccarat and poker and blackjack, slot games. Then there might be, I think there's something like, three or 4,000 different slot games. So if you could write about a lot of the slot games that get search volume, the more pages you start to write, the more topical authority that you start to get on the subject. So you've got good quality content on page, topical authority, so lots of different articles in about the topic and the subject that you're trying to rank for, off-page signals with regards to traffic and social media, 
backlinks are, are still a massive part as well of the algorithms and stuff like that. It's just about trying to do all things to the best of your ability because some people nowadays seem to write a few articles and don't do enough topical authority, hit a load of backlinks, but there's no justification of those backlinks. There's no traffic. How can a site have more backlinks than traffic? It just doesn't make sense. So you need to be trying to make certain that everything's being done. And when the Google algorithms are looking at it, they're going, I can see why they've got that many backlinks because they've got this many social signals. They've got this much traffic. They've got this many articles. And it kind of doesn't fall outside of their remit of what looks spammy. Yeah. I'm going to fast forward to another question I've written down towards the end, but I'm going to ask it right now, which is, do you think another signal um, that's becoming more important for affiliates is like video and podcasts where we're getting blasted with um, automated content? Like there's some amazing SEO and content tools out there, but do you think uh, the new uh, signal for authority is going to be become video? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, li I listen to all your podcasts, but I, I've not read any of your blogs. Do you know what I mean? So I, I listen yeah. to you quite a lot on the video, but I don't really read any blogs or anything like that. Same with a lot of others. Like I'll, I'll put them on and, and watch and listen to them. And I also think that there's two signals to a video. You've got the audio and then you've got the visual. So actually having both of those and you can, and you feel like you're resonating with them when you're listening to them and stuff like that. So yeah, I think video is absolutely, absolutely huge, especially now, like you said, where the age of AI coming along, people can churn out tens of thousands of articles. It, it's become easier to write a lot of content, but people at the timescales, like even being able to break down, let's say these um, 20 or 30 mini clips within this video that you can do with regards to YouTube shorts, or you can put it on your stories on Instagram or on TikTok. The YouTube shorts where it's like 30, 40 seconds of vital information that can be cropped down. That's that's key as well. So yes, I think I think video is is an absolutely huge part of 2024, especially for a lot of what we're doing with our marketing strategies. It's good to hear that feedback. And maybe we already saw the signals that this was being effective, especially in the iGaming space with, you know, the rise of, you know, Twitch streamers and slot streamers. And I think video has always been dominant. I just think that there's two things that I don't believe video is saturated yet. And I still believe that there's a lot of people that they're just not willing to get uncomfortable and do something like this, like start a podcast or say, hey, I'm going to make a YouTube video shorts or even streaming. Yeah, the, the, with regards to video, the entry barriers, the, the barriers for entries are a lot higher because there's a lot of people that don't want to do video where anybody can go and create AI content or go and create content and stuff like that. But the, there's nowhere near as many people that's churning out good quality videos. So I'd say there might only be, in the, in the iGaming, there might only be 30 or 40 decent video like producers and creators out there where affiliates in the iGaming space, there's probably a thousand. So when you start looking at it like that, you're kind of going, okay, yeah, it is a lot easier to try to rank the videos and, um, but, but like you said, the barrier to entry is a little bit harder. You've got to be able to be comfortable in front of a camera and stuff like that. So another question I had was if you only had a hundred dollar budget and you had to start from scratch and build anything, uh, what would yeah. your playbook be for, you know, re recreating a, like a seven figure business or more? So if I've only got hundred dollars, you need, obviously you can't afford to buy any backlinks or anything like that. So what you need to be doing is you need to be leveraging uh, your own time, obviously, to write content. So what you'd have to be doing, or you can use AI like ChatGPT. So I'd try to start, I'd put together um, a topical plan and I'd put it in order of keyword difficulty. So what, what I could get to try and start ranking for, even though I've only got a DR0 brand new domain, what long tail keywords could I start getting traffic for today? So if I go and write this article, it's a really, really long tail keyword. Um, and what can I try to rank for today? And I need to try and start working up my traffic tiers. So people call it like the SO avalanche approach. So you're trying to, to go after low keyword difficulty terms. They try and get that traffic and keep building it up and building it up and building it up. The minute I started to earn any sort of commission from any of those pages that are ranking, 
at that point, I'd just then start putting it into backlinks to try and strengthen up the top, the domain authority of the site. Uh, mainly just like branded homepage links and stuff like that. But initially, you, you could only do content. You could try to start leveraging places like Medium, which is completely for free, um, LinkedIn Pulse, which is completely for free. And there are certain places where you can do what's classed as being Parasite SEO. So you can go and get good quality articles um, written on those places as well. And they might be able to rank you for a little bit more. Like you can go, get away on Parasite SEO because LinkedIn's got, I don't know if maybe DR98 or whatever it is. You can get away. They can they can start ranking pretty much off the bat for like, I'd say medium competition type keywords. Um, Quora, Reddit, I'd go on into, onto those kind of platforms and start, if someone's asking anything to do with like what the best casinos are, I try and start dropping in any kind of um, links to my reviews of what I've done saying, oh, I think James Doolis Casino is the best because X, Y, Z and link through to my review about it or whatever. Um, you can even put affiliate links on Reddit and stuff like that. I know quite a lot actually that has, has been badly impacted by the helpful content update in September and they've moved to Reddit and all they've started to do for the last few months is just answering questions and stuff and getting traffic from Reddit, even though they're getting no traffic from Google, traffic from Reddit through to their affiliate site. And there's some people out there doing 23, £24,000 a month ju just from Reddit traffic. So there's lots of ways you can do stuff. That They've not spent any money on it. They've just spent the time in leveraging certain platforms of where people are asking questions for stuff to do with what's the best slot game for the casino and what's the best welcome bonus at present to sign up to a new casino site and stuff like that. And if you're there and you're answering it and referring them via your affiliate link, obviously you're earning money. So would you say for what you do for your businesses or what you teach people, has the helpful content update changed your, your strategy? Have you had to react to it or... Have you always had this uh, topical authority mindset to say, look, if you're just trying to be better, you shouldn't have to be worrying about the next Google update that's that's coming around the corner? So the September update hit three of our sites in a massive way. Um, so we 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 nearly lost, I think it was something like 70 to 75 grand a month uh, across a few different sites from the helpful content update. We also had, which is quite strange, probably about a 60,000 pound uplift on domains that we wasn't touching. Like they were just parked there in the background doing like five, 10 grand a month and we left them and they've shot up. And the weird part about this, the content, the helpful content update in September was I actually don't think, and I'm not just saying this because some sites went down because I had some sites go up as well. I don't think it was a good update. I genuinely believe that a lot of the sites that got put in place now that are ranking wasn't as good as what there was back in September. So I think there's going to be some sort of reversal. John Mueller has said several times that there's not going to be. But I think at some point, with regards to like the behavioral signals, I think people will start to like what was ranking previously more than what is ranking now. So like Reddit at the time started ranking for certain keywords that wasn't even updated since 2019. So how could someone say that that is the best anything when the last time it was updated was in 2019? Roll on four years, what was the best in 2019? Is it the best? No. So I feel like this, they've still got quite a lot of work to do. I feel like obviously there's a lot of people that do spam Google with regards to doing black hat strategies and they've got to try and combat that. But Actually, along the way, there was actually a lot of good sites that got hit. So if anything, John, if I'm being 100% honest with you, a lot of our testing shown this, this update was almost penalized. It wasn't, but it's, it felt like it was almost penalizing topical authority websites. And, and what I mean by that is certain people started to scale out sites that were doing topical authority, and they probably went a little bit too wide, so a little bit off subject. Um, the the biggest result where people are getting recoveries now, they're actually deleting content and it's helping them get back rankings. So they've gone too wide. The cost of information retrieval within Google is that, no, you've got too many pages that are not ranking. 
that we've got to crawl and you need to, you need to sort these out. So actually a lot of it is running in, like getting a Google search console, running it through Screaming Frog, sorting by impressions and clicks and saying, in the last 12 months, these pages have had no traffic. Why should I keep it? Is there a reason why I should be keeping this page? Because if it's had no clicks, it's probably not helping out with my topical authority. It's probably hindering my site. And at that point, should I be getting rid of it? Or should I be completely rewriting that article to try and get rankings? Hmm. So like I said, it's, it's, it's more deleting fluff from your content, making it more concise. And we've, we've started to have recoveries from, from the sites that got hit in September. And that's, that's how we've started to recover, believe it or not. Yeah, I think there's always a lot of people out there that even if their content might be garbage and not helpful, uh, they probably just can't fathom the idea of deleting it, whether they paid for it or, yeah. or wrote it. And uh, yeah. that's, a, that's their painful realization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I want to go circle back to these mastermind events and I want to be the fly on the wall, uh, listening in on what goes on in them. Can you just share, um, how you started with these masterminds and yeah, just like share some stories about the experiences of what they do. And I'm sure they give you energy for learning and wanting to just, uh, you know, jump right back in the business. So in, in my opinion, the masterminds are 10, 20 times better than any conference that you can go to. And, and I'll try to explain why for anyone that's not been in a high level mastermind yet. So when I first started out, um, and a roll of maybe two years of being into SEO, I started to go to these kind of SEO, whether it was like London affiliate conference at LAC for the iGaming space in London, whether it was like Brighton SEO, or going to these big SEO conferences. And then I remember speaking in the bar after a couple of people had spoken. I was like, oh, that was really good. Like, thanks for sharing that information. And I remember him saying, I didn't give half of, half of it away. I'm not going to give all my true knowledge bombs away on stage. And I'm like, what do you mean? And there's like, buy me a drink and I'll tell you some more. And I remember buying like one or two of these SEO influencers back then, buying them a drink. And they was telling me so much stuff that wasn't being shared on stage. And I'd go back and test it. And I was like, this is what works. And it wasn't being shared on stage. And they're going, well, why would I share it on stage to every man and his dog? And then they can compete. And so then I was then at, like, got to a point where I was like, probably roll on four or five years in. And I thought, actually, if I can try and get hold of these, like people that were speaking back then, I was, I was doing very well back then. And I started to know behind the scenes because i didn't really speak on stage but behind the scenes i started to know quite a lot of these like seo influencers on stage and i says why don't we start doing like a private meetup when we all go to the conference but why don't like the day before or two days before why don't we just do a private meetup between us all and we can collaborate synergize and share test results because the truth of the matter is we started to realize that the, what was happening in the UK or what was happening in the US or what was happening in America or foreign markets, the algorithms was different. The, especially the English speaking to the foreign markets was very, very, you, still to this day in foreign, you can get away with a lot of black app strategies. Um, there's still a lot of certain backlinks that you can still acquire today that still work in non-English speaking markets. So when we started to learn that and then we started to kind of educate each other about what's working in all these different in industries. We started to realize that what works in finance is different to what works in, let's say, health, which is different to what works in gambling. Now, that's, I, did, I, I always thought there was just one algorithm and the one algorithm catered for everything. And when you started to realize there's different nuances between the algorithms, and then you then started to look at correlation of what, like, what your competitors have got and what, what you then can get away with. It opened up my eyes big time. And that's when then I started to travel the world, creating these private masterminds that are invite only, that we try to get people in that we can kind of, and sometimes we purposely try to get a few people in that have got contrasting opinions so we can argue. So there's times when you say, if you was a fly on the wall, sometimes for three or four hours, there's just arguments, but the, the constructive arguments but you're like, no chance, I've tested this and this doesn't work. And, and, and at the end of it, you're so drained and tired, but you've, it's been 
the best six, seven hours. You you learn more in them six or seven hours than you do in months and months and months of reading, reading kind of blogs, watching videos online, because you can you can kind of control the narrative of what, what we're talking about. So what you're weak at, you can then start asking questions about that. But why would you do this? How do you do it? And stuff like that. So because you can control the narrative and then tackle people if you disagree with them, on a video, you can't really start, if you disagree with someone about something, you can't stop them in the tracks and say, oh, I don't believe in that. When we tried it, we did this. Where we're in a mastermind. And it is very, it's constructive criticism. You've got to be able to take like feedback to say, I completely disagree. And from my results, it's this, this, and this. So, but you wouldn't, I would never, if let's say you were speaking on stage, Joe, and I disagreed with something that you said on stage. I'm not going to, I'm not going to heckle you. I'm not going to go, no, you're completely incorrect. Cause that wouldn't be a good, like, do you know what I mean? That's not going to be good for your personal kind of branding and stuff like that. But in a private mastermind, no one knows what's going on. There's no recordings. If I didn't, if I didn't agree with you about something in a private mastermind, I'd call you out and say, no, John, I disagree with you about that. And then we can have this debate, but that's the best way of doing it. Because some of these people that are on the speaking circuit, they're still saying the same thing as what other people said five years ago. And it doesn't work anymore. And they're still saying it on stage, but no one's going to call them out on stage. So people are being asked to then keep talking at these events. And they're like, well, a lot of the time at the conference events, a lot of the high-level SEOs don't even listen to the socks. They, they'll be at the event, but not even in the conference room. No, I, I agree. I think uh, this discussion I've had uh, privately with a lot of SEOs, especially in maybe some of the iGaming circles where it's kind of like, do you go listen to the talks? And it's like, you kind of got to cherry pick who you want to listen to. And you're right. I think uh, we would all love to actually meet with that that one person or the, those two people that are actually worth listening to and being, okay, let's have a drink with them. And um, that's actually why, you know, I wanted to start this podcast in the first place, which was these high level conversations happening at conference conferences weren't being recorded. Now you're right. Uh, obviously we're not going to have too many disagreements on this podcast where if you disagreed with something, it's going to happen after the fact, but I think there's some uh, strong insights where, yeah, obviously you meet people in person at, at events, but, um, uh, Sounds like masterminds are something that not a lot of people do, but I think um, this is worth uh, digging further into. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, it's completely changed. If if you was to ask me one thing, one reason why I have been so successful, it's not anything. I mean, I'm I'm hardworking and I'm motivated, but it's the people around me that have educated me well, educated my team very well. I've got an amazing team around me. So even like certain masterminds about, like, sometimes it's not just about SEO and talking about title tags and backlinks and topical authority. Sometimes so the, the best SEOs now in the world are probably not, are not probably the best, let's say, technical or thing. The, the, it's the people that can build a, a, a team, that the team's motivated to want to learn every single day and, and they get shit done. So, like, they're the, so sometimes some of these events can be talking about how do you keep a team motivated? How to be a cultural architect of the business to keep the culture going and keep them happy for them not to leave? How do you onboard new um, virtual assistants? Um, how do you track whether the virtual assistants are doing exactly what you said? How do you streamline your SOPs to make certain that they're direct and you know that they're working? So it's all these type of stuff of like what pain points have you been through? And there might be people in that mastermind group that is a little bit more advanced than you are. Um, that's been maybe a few years further on and they can tell you certain things that's happened to them that you might have been running into literally you might go oh my god he's just told me that and i would i would have had that problem in six months time if i didn't listen to what he's just told me i would have had that exact same problem in six months so sometimes it's not what to do it's what not to do and sometimes that can save you a lot of money as well now, do you think these, this mastermind concept could apply to affiliates where, I mean, we all have friends that are affiliates, but I look at some of them and because I don't always compete with them anymore, where I sold our affiliate sites and we're now affiliate software, um, I get people sharing more stuff, but I know a lot of them don't like sharing with any of their competitors. They kind of look at each other going, why on earth am I going to tell you my top converting brand 
my best market, my best trick, my best anything. Um, do you think this uh, could still work for affiliates or uh, like a mastermind? Work. It does work for affiliates. There's a lot of affiliates that are in there. So there's a lot of people that do um, lead generation. There's a lot of people that do affiliates. There's a lot of people that do um, like display ads, whether it's like Ezoic or AdThrive or Mediavine and stuff like that. There's a lot of people that do drop shipping. I'd say affiliates is probably one of the biggest areas of what people, like who, who enters these masterminds. And the truth of the matter is, John, is that if you really, really, really want to be invited to the high-level masterminds and you don't want to give information away, you'll never be invited again. So you can't be what we class as being a leech. You can't turn up and sit there and be quiet in the room and not give any value and then think you're going to get invited again to the next mastermind. You're not. In fact, when you first get invited to a mastermind, you don't normally get invited what we class as being like the top table. You'll get invited to a mastermind to say, are these, are these actually going to provide value? And if you do, you almost like work through the ranks of where, what mastermind rooms and what, who you're going to be sharing the room with. Um, and you've got, you've almost got to work yourself through the ranks of who provides the most information, who's testing the most, who, who is able to come up with. And some like in another thing is up on stage, a lot of these people talk about websites that they've ranked, but never show any evidence, no evidence whatsoever. And they can get away with it on stage. Because the conference kind of people that are hosting it, they don't ask for that information. So some of these people that, oh, I, I earn 200 grand a month, but they've still got a mortgage on their house. And you're like, no, you don't. Do you know what I mean? Like, so some some of them are out there and and the con artists, I'm not going to name any names, but like there's some of them that are, that are doing that. And it's just like, it's wrong. Where in, in the private masterminds, if you start opening up and like, I'll, I, I show my revenues in the private, I'm not going to show it publicly. It, to, to every man and his dog in private masterminds I'll go there's, there's my WordPress logins with regards to this is what I'm doing in the back end these the plugins that I'm using there's my revenue streams from it what do you think I can do to improve it where else do you feel I could improve it could be the, the commissions someone might come along and I might be able to educate them a little bit on SEO but they might say you need to start going into Canada the taxes are a lot less than in the UK uh, the player value is a lot better if you started to get more players in Canada for casino players, you're going to earn so much more money. Now, I might not learn anything from him from an SEO standpoint, and I might help him out with everything to do with SEO, but commercially, he might have just added 50 grand a month onto my bottom line by telling me some information about, uh, oh, don't start promoting these, that they're going to go bump in the next six months. So I stopped promoting him, and six, eight months later, the, the brand's gone bump and stuff like that. So... Getting that information from people is key. And and I always say, like, your network is your net worth. And, I, and I'm a massive advocate of that. I believe that to be true. And uh, I, I think I'm I'm sold on masterminds. I've been kind of looking on the outside, uh, looking in, going, I think I'm missing out on some of these, whether it's SEO or affiliate ones. But um, like I said, uh, I talked to a lot of my affiliate friends. I think there's a certain group of affiliates that are spending more time in them and I'm definitely going to pay attention to who's doing this. So I want to jump to what do you have uh, planned for this year and beyond for projects and things you want to work on and learn? So this year, um, I'm going quite heavily into artificial intelligence. So the I've got, I'm looking by, I've got goals by Christmas this year. So I've got 11 months to, to get there. I want to create eight new businesses, different businesses that lead, that just leverage AI. So one of them is going to be like, let's say like an AI image creation company. So the image creation, there might only be like $5, $10 for an image, but it might be a very specific SEO optimized image. Um, so it might have like, it could be like certain content that goes in there. It could be like a YouTube thumbnail that people might want to have the uh, we're just going down the, the route of whether it's like mid-journey, Dali, um, whether we're going to use like Adobe Firefly or like Photoshop, but we're going to quickly be able to produce images. Mainly, when I say SEO optimized, like just explaining to them that they, if they go and give us like, we've got these articles, we might go, right, you need two you need two video, two images on this. Um, and ideally, the alt tag and like the file name should be X, Y, and Z. 
because these might be able to drive you traffic from Google Images. Because we actually drive a lot of, when I spoke at the start about effective frequency, we get traffic from diff, a lot of different sources and we're very good at ranking images as well. Um, so if we could create the images, I've already got like an image optimization brand that, that ranks images in, in Google Images and does got like a carousel. Um, the second one's going to be a, um, an AI video creation production company. Now, I was just saying to you before, video is going to be massively important. Video face, like me and you talking to each other and you can see us, I think is going to be absolutely huge. This is what we're going to create is going to be like a faceless video, which is going to be nowhere near as good as what we're doing now. But it's still, YouTube's still the, the second biggest search engine. So if we can start generating a lot of videos that, Let's say you're a local plumber and you can't afford to have these videos being created, but there might be 30 or 40 different intents of videos that are ranking in, in YouTube that people are searching. They want to get their branding in that search engine. So we're going to create an AI video production company. There's going to be, I've just invested in the middle of last year into autoblogging.ai, which is um, a, content creation, uh, a content marketing creation uh, company. Um, the, at first I went out to like, I think it was like 12 different people that I went out to for the AI writing, like Jarvis and all the rest of them. And Autoblogging came back and, and it was brilliant. It was really good. Otherwise I wouldn't have invested in the tool, but then I've got like three of my team full-time working with the owner to just keep trying to improve it, to keep trying to improve the prompts and improve it and improve it, making certain that we've got the right entities on the page, the sentence structure is correct. We're getting like the semantic triples in there. So we've got like the subject, the predicate and the objects in the correct order. So there's a lot of different things with, with regards to how we not just get the right words on the page, but in the right sentence format for you to be able to win the featured snippets. And we went and ran, uh, there's a guy called Julian Goldie. I don't know if, you, if you've ever yes. heard of him. He, so he uses autoblogging.ai. Like he religiously, all of his sites that he builds out, he, he uses autoblogging. And we've been kind of improving it all the time. And his sites have just like every single one of them has been like, boom, boom, boom. And they've all been skyrocketing. So I've got that, but I'm also going to create an AI content agency that is AI written via auto blogging, but then human edited. So you'll get, you'll have like a human editor that comes in, spends 20 minutes, just make certain the sales copies good, the sentences are broken up and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, we're, we're trying to go all in on different things of how we can leverage AI just for different ways to make certain we're staying ahead of the curve because at present in the UK, we only really deal in the UK at the moment on like lead generation and stuff. And we are at the forefront of, of what we do for lead generation in, I think, over 600 different industries in total of what, we're, what is what we're in. I don't, if I don't leverage AI, others are going to catch up to me. So if I don't innovate, I'm going to evaporate. And I've got to make certain that I'm head of innovation. And that's kind of my role at the moment, head of innovation. What else can we bring to the table that we can improve on to try and drive and move it forward? I agree. Um, I, I decided that uh, last month, I'm like, I need to go all in for AI this year. And I basically said, I'm starting to take courses, which the irony of some of these courses, they're, they're almost becoming obsolete you know, being four to six months on the market. But I, I think you're right. It's, uh, I don't think we're going to be obsolete if we don't innovate, but I just want to not give uh, anyone a chance to just kind of leapfrog us. So, um, and, and, uh, and it goes without saying, if we're going to be building tools for affiliates, we need to know what's coming around the corner to go, can we, can we be that one step ahead to help them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. So I'm going to, throw a kind of a curveball question your way. And it's like kind of picking your brain and it's self-serving talking about it from our side. So we have affiliate program reviews and we're planning to add a lot of rich data points that I believe don't exist anywhere. So just to give you a couple examples, um, which affiliate programs have postbacks or dynamic variables or what time zone is the data updated? Is the data updated in real time, by the hour, by the day? Um, has the terms and conditions changed and things that you're not always going to get just by logging into the system. And it's not easy uh, collecting this, but we happen to do that for uh, 1,200 plus gambling affiliate programs and we're planning to go further. 
what do you think we could do in terms of content with these data points where I feel like if we get the data points out on our website, someone's going to take them, they're going to scrape them, and then they're going to basically produce content and maybe outrank us. Um, what do you think about using these data points and going, how can we make them work for us? So that's, Joel, that's a great question to ask. And it's a tricky one, if I'm being honest with you, because if you hide it, that it can't be being scraped, who's going to want to ask for that data? Like, so with, like, they're not the, if they're not asking for it at present, how are they going to be asking for it previously? So like, how are you going to get them to ask for it in the future? So sometimes you need to give, I would say what you probably need to start trying to do is give a little bit away that yes, it can be scraped and others can do. But also if you're the first to actually get it out there, you do an information game. So Google loves the people that are first to feed Google's algorithms with this information. They'll start loving your site. And if always are nicking your information, scraping it and using your data, and, and they crawled your site, Google crawled your site first and seen and they learned from your site, that's actually a great signal because it's information game. And they've got the whole patent of information game. Too many people in the SEO industry just do correlation of content, which is copycat content. And they're never providing anything that's unique and new to the industry. And, and how many people are actually going to start scraping that information? You probably, I don't know, you might say there's a lot. I'm not 100% I'm not on, on the industry of how many competitors you have that would scrape it. But I would give, I would give, valuable insights away and then maybe hide a few other bits that you definitely don't want scraping behind to say, if you want more information on this, then, then check this out. Right. Makes sense. What, what, were you think, what were you thinking about doing on it? Um, a little bit of both. It was actually more to be like fearless and say, you know what, send the data out. People are going to scrape it anyways. Um, there's another data set we have that we probably wouldn't do that. And I'll, I'll probably have to explain uh, off the record. But for that data set, we just believe that to be true. We want to build a data set that's so valuable that even for customers that are super large affiliates that say, you know what, we don't trust using StatsRoom. We have our own in-house tool. I want to have a rich data set that their account managers have to come back to us and go, I need to know when a brand is open. I need to know when a brand is closed. I need to know when a brand has lost a license in a jurisdiction or has gained a license and added four languages. You know, I think these data points are going to be, I believe they're already very valuable to gambling affiliates as it is. So it's knowing like what's changing in, in like a day-to-day -day, uh, for that affiliate program related to the brands, which of course those brands are, are things that you heavily promote to, to players. So I just think yeah. uh, our approach is going to be, you know what, we're going to start with data. We don't know what it looks like to make it, like to verbalize it uh, if it's important, but we think we're just going to start with data and our current reviews right now are, they're basically, you know, cheap written content that I don't think is helping us right now. So I'd say, you know what, let's just focus on being helpful for affiliates and go, we don't really need content and the content, like this is basically our personal plan is we're probably going to rely a bit more on user generated content to say, Hey, you're the affiliate working with this program. I kind of want to hear what you have to say about them. And we want to do it in a, in a quality point of view of going, well, you have to be using our app and connected with that program in order to write a review. Like there's no like hiring, you know, people from India just to do like, you know, $2, $5 reviews that are all fake. We want to make sure that affiliate programs can't fake their own reviews. And it's actually, there's like a strong validation behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. That'd be a great kind of system for you to have set up for sure. I'd also make certain that the other part is not just what's on your site, it's what's on your kind of branded cert. So if someone's typing you in or someone's typing in stuff to do with, let's say, um, what is the best gambling software for, for data or how can I be kept up to date with all my gam gambling kind of platform um, earnings and stuff like that, that you're showing up for all them type of things that you, you're actually getting good quality articles being written about Statstrom in the, they are the best. And obviously getting a lot of, guest posts for stats drone versus or whoever your main competitor is. So yeah. let's say it's lovely stats or whoever it is like nifty stats versus stats drone and this versus stats drone and this versus that. And you get yeah. all the articles being done. Um, 
and obviously it's all linking back to you guys and you kind of brand jacking against your competition as well. Um, yeah. it's just, there's just different ways to make certain that you're promoting. That's what we, we, we always look to make certain that if someone is searching, they don't know who we are, that, and we, they come up against one of our competitors and us, if they Google who's better in them and them, we want to make certain that we control that. We control the narrative that we are better than our competition. And not just me saying that we're better than our competition, that Google, all the results are saying that we are better. And not only that is once you've got that, and it might cost you 10, 15, 20,000 pounds to get that positive brand so for, for, for your own brand, whether it's stats grown or whatever company you're doing it for, when other people are writing about you and they're doing correlation, which is what majority of them do, they're all talking in a positive manner about you anyway because they feel that that's what they need to do to rank. So it kind of, you've got to try and feed the algorithms what they want to start with and then everybody else seems to copy. So, yeah. No, I agree. We have a couple of comparison articles. We actually don't have the one versus Nifty Sats, but I think I'm going to push for that uh, high priority. And ironically enough, one thing I noticed in our experience of trying to grow our SaaS company is the more we compare ourselves to our competitors, um, it actually resonates with, with our ideal customer more. And I actually believe that even on the affiliate space, uh, these comparison tools are actually a stronger driving force behind actual conversions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what I would do is sometimes I wouldn't put it on your own website. So I wouldn't do, um, let's say, like Nifty versus, um, I'd do it on other people's website. I'd, I'd yeah. try to do press posts or press releases that specifically had Stats Drone being mentioned and you're trying to, to brand Jack to rank for their terms, number two behind their brand that says their brand versus your brand and they talk positively about you. That's kind of how you want to be doing it. So, because otherwise, on your own, on your own branded website, you're mentioning them, and they might just go and try them out. So, you'd want to get it on third-party websites. If I was you, almost like Parasite SEO, that link back to Statsdraw. We're planning on doing that, and I'm just kind of wondering: Are my competition listening to this far into this podcast? And we'll find out later. Um, yeah. Uh, going back to what I was talking about for our plans, I know this is again self-serving. We were looking at also doing like an annotations type of uh, data set with every affiliate program. So remember when I said that this brand has now opened on this affiliate program, we want to make that so it's like a date and timestamp and it's an annotation. And at some point in the future, we'd be able to map this on a graph somewhere, whether it's, you know, because um, you look at the old Google Analytics, I, I miss those annotations where you could see your, your traffic and you, could, you can put your own footnotes. We want to have affiliates having the same thing where it's like, well, what is the annotation? Well, maybe things have jumped because this brand has now added four languages, or maybe they've got a new landing page, or maybe it's decreased because they've actually left four markets. We don't know. But I think yeah. this annotation would be a really interesting data point, and I think it'd be something that yeah, I just don't think there's a lot of. I think that'd be brilliant because then, like you said, I think if someone's earning starts to drop, They'd like to know why. And it might be one of the other reasons might be that the um, the tax implications change. Yeah. So if the tax implications change and it, it adds an extra 10% on, well, obviously their their kind of profit margins of what they're going to earn in commission is going to drop drastically. Um, like you said, they might, they might end up not being able to take certain players in certain jurisdictions and stuff like that. Well, that might make their kind of player value drop because in that jurisdiction there might have been very good player value and stuff like that so i think that would be absolutely brilliant i i know that my different partners would 100 percent want to be seeing something like that yeah and, and funny enough one of the reasons why i even wanted to to start this app when nifty stats and stats remote were, were in business is i remember when programs when they changed software and your old links were now invalidated i'm like this drove me nuts i'm like I swore that some programs did this on purpose because they basically flushed their old links, which now became free traffic that they didn't have to pay commission on. And it was your responsibility as the affiliate to update the new tracking links. And I think every time this stuff changes, we actually track all of that in our own system. So I think that's another data point that's just as valuable. It's like, hey, uh, tracking links are not working or you have to update the tracking links. Like they've switched from net refer to my affiliates, for example, and that, yeah. that changes everything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, the, they're trying to do everything they can to 
to try to make certain that they make the most money. And, and sometimes if they do cancel the certain affiliate links and then you've got to renew it, you, you'll be surprised how many affiliate sites out there six, seven months, six, seven years later, I've still got the old affiliate links and they're still sending players through and they're not getting paid in it because they're all links that aren't being detected. And then it's like, well, it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? So it's, uh, some people don't clean things up and they should think. Oh, if you can, that, if you can have the main affiliates and make them aware of it, even if it's just one week, two week, three weeks of them not having the right affiliate links and you've, you've made them aware, it just allows them to go in and prompts them to go, you need to be updating X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And funny enough, like I'm, I'm jumping way too far in the future, but we're actually working on a, a link affiliate tool that will, if a brand goes offline, will give you a smart redirect rule to send it to either your best converting brand or your top list where you can say, Hey, um, something's wrong with that brand. Well, it's closed. And then we'd give you that feedback here. Here's uh, three brands that, uh, you can definitely go to. Yeah. That'd be great. It would work very well. And last question is, what do you see of the future of affiliate marketing as it intersects with business intelligence? So a lot of affiliate sites have been hit hard. Um, and the, the helpful content update, everyone kept saying, oh, it's just an attack against affiliate sites and stuff like that. And Google are trying their best to try to, uh, instead of having like what they class as being doorway sites where they're kind of coming through to your affiliate site and going clicking straight off to a brand, they try to show the brands and stuff like that initially from within the search engine and stuff. So a lot of like the best casino sites, best slot sites, best sports betting sites and stuff like that, they, they're still showing affiliates, but it seems to be driven by a lot of newspapers over there now at the moment and stuff like that. But I still think, I, I do think, and I always do think that there'll always be a market for affiliates. I think affiliate marketing is always going to be huge. I do think they need to try to start changing the strategy slightly with um, search generative, the SGE kind of that's coming out as well, um, which might mean for certain keywords, they're going to start getting a, a little bit less clicks. So you've got to keep adapting. You've got to see what works. And, and it might be that at, at present, Parasite SEO is working great. It might be that you can, like you said, I've got certain people that are making 20 to 25,000 pounds a month just by Reddit. There's some people now that are going onto Quora and seeing that there's actually lots of places that they can start getting traffic from and stuff like that. So you just got to try and diversify and be omnipresent. Um, and yeah, I mean, affiliates will always make money because generally speaking, affiliates are quite savvy digital marketers and whatever's working in today's algorithms or whatever they need to do, they'll, they'll kind of tailor their needs towards that. I agree. James, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Gave me a lot of energy and an, a lot of ideas. Uh, yep. How can people get a hold of you? So I've got uh, jamesdooley.com. So it's um, jamesdooley.com. And on there, it's got all my social media, like YouTube. I'm starting to do quite a little bit more on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and stuff like that. So the, um, if anyone wants to drop me an email, it's me at jamesdooley.com as well. So yeah, that's probably the best ways of getting hold of me. And I'll put the, your domain in the show notes. Uh, James, thank you again. Yeah, cheers, John. Works up. Good, good talking. Thank you for tuning in to the Affiliate BI podcast. I'd like to take this time to ask for a small favor to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us expand our reach to rank higher in podcast directories and reach more listeners.